Welcome to Screen Quest, a podcast where a fellowship of film lovers and armchair movie experts plays film roulette. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Waterman, joined by my fellow party members, Mae Finch. Hello. And Will Rotondi. What's going on? Is it hip to be square? It um, depends on who you ask. <laughs> depends Fair. on who you ask. Enough. <laughs> on today's episode, we are going to be talking about Christian Bale's role of a lifetime in American Psycho. I don't know. I almost flubbed that weird. But anyway, words, they're hard sometimes. And of course, we'll be having a little side quest. But first, it's time to catch up on what we've been watching. So, May Finch, because you said you have stuff to talk about, I want to go to you first because I'm curious. Yeah, so I recently like finally got Apple TV and I've been making my way through all the Apple TV shows. So I've watched in the last like two weeks, I've watched Severance and Ted Lasso and Shrinking. And I love all of them. Very different tone between all of them. Although I guess Shrinking is kind of similar in tone to Ted Lasso. But uh, yeah, they're great. I wish I'd gotten Apple TV earlier. I remember looking at it and thinking, this is silly. Why is the phone company making TV shows? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're really good. Uh, I don't know if I can pick a favorite. Um, I will say Severance is probably my favorite sci-fi show to come out uh, in recent memory. So hmm. go watch it if you haven't. And um, I I think I might like in terms of just like kind of feel good sitcom shows as much as I like Ted Lasso and as popular as it is, I think I might like shrinking a little bit more. That could just be Ooh. the Harrison Ford factor, but yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, yeah. Would recommend getting Apple TV if you haven't yet. I promise they're not sponsoring me. <laughs> so uh, steal it from a friend actually, if you can. But... <laughs> the value proposition of that streaming service has increased drastically. I feel like they have so much good original programming. It's taken some time mm. to build up its library, but I feel like they're taking a quality over quantity approach so far, you know, knock on wood. Um, and hopefully that continues. Like, I, I want to see the Tetris movie. Like, that looks interesting. Uh, I've heard yeah. great things about shrinking and foundation. Yeah. I'll throw in a recommendation um, for you. Mythic Quest is like a fabulous show. Like, fabulous, fabulous. Like, the first episode... It's like a little like, oh, look, video games, nerd stuff. Ah. Like that settles down very quickly and the heart of the show emerges and it, it will make you laugh and cry in pretty equal measures, depending on like the episode. So, yeah, I, I saw that. It does pique my interest. I just think it's interesting that there's all these like uh, like media properties coming out about video games and about video game design, uh, not just mm -hmm. like shows and movies. Like obviously we have Mythic Quest and Tetris, but. Also, uh, the book Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin has been a bestseller for weeks. And it's also all about like video game designers. So what a time. Yeah, what a time indeed. It's a it's a popular industry. Who would have thought, right? Like <laughs> back in the of the old like Super Mario Pac-Man days, um, <laughs> something that started off as like a, a quick little amusement for 25 cents um, would be pervade like i mean really i think like storytelling culture and just interesting ways to like you know uh explore different ideas very cool um i will have to check out um 
shrinking is like on the list and tomorrow mm-hmm. and t- tomorrow and tomorrow i had not heard of um because i'm out of the loop but that sounds uh intriguing i thought it was an interesting novel um there's been a bit of controversy because one of the games described in the novel which is supposed to be fictional is pretty directly inspired by slash lifted from an actual game and the creator of that actual game has not been like properly acknowledged by the author oops yeah so it's a little controversy around it interesting what uh what game i'm i'm forgetting the name of the game but oh okay i just didn't know if it was like yeah if you do read the book it's the game called solution in the book and it's based on a real game of a different name okay interesting uh will how about you sorry about the dog uh barking by the way (laughs) yes the audience heard that (laughs) uh cacophony of barks and growls but what have you been watching will (laughs) Uh, lately, it's been mostly just like sci-fi nostalgia for me. I've been watching Mandalorian and uh, Star Trek Picard. Um, so I feel like I'm uh, checkmarking a couple of things from my childhood. But, you know, it's kind of hit or miss. It depends on on the week. But I think it's mostly just for the entertainment value. I don't look for it for like anything like deep by any means. I've sort of found that Star Wars is either in one of two categories. You either go into it. And it's like really dark and gritty like Andor, which hands down my favorite Star Wars series. Um, Or you go in and it's like lighthearted and goofy. And it's more of like, I don't know if either of you ever watched like the old Hercules and Xena TV show back in the day with like Kevin Sorbo and Lucy Lawless. But that is the vibe that I feel every time I watch Mando. I am like, this is just like a Saturday morning goofy storyline that like there will be some sort of peril, but... I don't know. You can't take it too seriously. So once I looked at it through that lens, I was like, okay, I don't really nitpick as much anymore about Star Wars. So that's that's sort of on that front. Star Trek Picard is like the bumpiest road eight. But I'm gonna go back to your question, babe. What's up? I was just gonna say, yeah, they they had Jack Black on Mandalorian, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah, and Lizzo. I feel like that's when you know what you're watching is intentionally silly is when Jack Black comes on screen. (laughs) Oh, man. And he hams it up, but it's great. And that was what, you know, and everybody got so mad about it. But I'm like, have you not seen like the last two seasons or like Boba Fett or any of that? Like, clearly you (laughs) it it oscillates like there's not it doesn't have to be all one or the other with Star Wars for better or worse. I mean, I don't know. You could argue that ever since the prequels, but. But yeah, my favorite analogy is like Star Wars is a restaurant. Like there's a, a diverse <laughs> menu. Order what you want. Don't order what you don't want and let other people enjoy what they enjoy. I love that analogy. I forget who said that somebody on Twitter. And I was like, that is a great way to look at it. Continue. Well, so it's true. Picard Bumpy Road. No, I've fine. heard this. I've heard this. Like oh, that the God, quality yeah. Seesaws. Yeah, so it's like the first two seasons. All right, so hands down, if we wanted to talk, so I, I mentioned Andor, like my favorite. Uh, my brain's going to be all over the place, sorry. But like Andor being my favorite Star Wars show, like um, if I had to do like New Trek and like the favorite of that, Strange New Worlds, hands down, is like the best. Uh, Discovery was okay. And then Picard was like the one thing that I went into thinking, this is going to be amazing when it first started way back. And then season one was like such a, like, I don't know, man, it just crashed and burned so hard. It hurt my feelings. And then <laughs> ever since then, it's sort of been like each season I'm thinking, okay, maybe we'll we'll rebound a little bit. And I'll give it, you know, the sake that it's like my nostalgia that is driving that reason for it. But 
they pivoted so hard into season three where it's like the it's basically like the greatest hits compilation we're going to try and pull every easter egg from next generation that we can and we're going to milk it hard and on the one hand i'm like okay you tried to play it safer but on the other hand i thought it just never really it's the writing i think like i love all the actors it's great to see the original crew back but man it is it is hard <laughs> It is, it's like a good concept, and then it gets drawn out with a really bad dialogue. It seems like a good candidate for, like, or example of, like, sometimes things could just be left alone, right? Like, um, I don't think it was a perfect show. I think the ending was mediocre, but, like, Battlestar Galactica, the revival, like, I don't need more oh, of that. Like, like yeah. I'm, I'm good. Like, you know, like, I, I'm fine with that staying dead or, like, yeah. I don't know. Um, like, stuff like that. I, I feel like Picard, I was very cynical from the start. I have a friend who was mm-hmm. an actor in an episode of of Picard, and I was excited for him to to be like on a TV show like that. That's like that. awesome. But, um, yeah. but I was like, dude, I'm not gonna lie, I'm not very excited about <laughs> this show. <laughs> not to, not to yuck your yum or anything, but like. Oh, when I really want to know, I don't know if you can like name drop or anything on the, on here about that, but I really want to know like what episode that he's in. So uh, I can go back. he's Maybe an just, engineer. Like, I'll look it up. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll look it up. Uh, Chaka, what's up, Chaka? Um, yeah, he's an engineer. He, he's he's a big fella. So normally he play he plays like you know intimidating characters. He had a few episode uh, arc in Vampire Diaries as well as like a shaman, um, you know, like uh, character. But um, but yeah, anyway, sorry, I digress. But um, I'm sorry. Like that's that sucks. Like when you're really excited and hopeful for something and then it just yeah. like doesn't pan out. Yeah, it's okay. I just, it, it is what it is. I'll watch it through to the end because I just love the characters. But yeah, it's, it just, it happens. It, it happens. So, you know, it's not horrible. It's just not great. So, yeah, great. But definitely go te- uh, check out Tetris. Tetris was, <laughs> was good. I'm going to pivot back to Apple TV for a minute. Yeah. But yeah, Tetris was, was fun. So, anyway. if it's on the plane, definitely get it. Like, it's one of those things that, like, I was like, I'm going to watch that, like, for sure. Um, meaning to watch john wick uh in 4k but if one of those like well if the first one's on the plane like i might also like get that out of the way eventually and and check those out because i i'm kind of annoyed at myself for not catching four but maybe when i'm in tokyo if i'm jet lagged but uh Uh, definitely i can't believe i forgot this in my recap but i also just saw john wick four and it's great so you definitely should chris nice it's been compared favorably to like a spaghetti western which is a nice segue because i just rewatched the dollars trilogy um sergio leone after watching quick and the dead and (laughs) i just i love those movies so much um i just love them so much they're all very tonally different um but the good the bad and the ugly in particular like it's three hours it is an epic by every like definition of the word but like i think it's it's a perfect movie and I just like I get goosebumps every time I hear ecstasy of gold and like that that sequence starts and it's just like it's perfect. It's constructed just beautifully and um the cast is great and it uh it's, it's a good feel good movie for me. Like every time I watch it, I'm like at the warm and fuzzies. But uh we've been watching Succession, which uh might be mm. the perfect final season of TV. We'll see how it like goes out, but like the first four episodes have been just phenomenal, like phenomenal. I don't I won't spoil like with details, but the third episode uh had a like 10 minute into the episode major plot twist that completely changes the trajectory of the show and it handled like a very 
serious like topic and like probably one of the most accurate depictions of that topic that I've ever seen in a TV show. And I don't want like, again, I'm really being careful. If you've seen the episode, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but that has just been stellar. I think that succession when it finishes, if it stays like as strong as it has, will probably be in my top three TV shows of all time. Like just, I think it's, it's stellar. And I love to see that it going out on the fourth season on the creative terms of the people that make it of like, this is a story you wanted to tell. It's been planned start to finish, you know, less is more that kind of thing. Cause sometimes TV shows will overstay their welcome. And I'm glad they're not doing that. Um, Let's what are your see. other two before you move on? Oh, uh, the Sopranos. <laughs> and then it probably oscillates between like the wire and um oh, the office like i feel like the office like even though again not a great last couple like seasons there's so much good content there that like i think it's a, it's an example of just like a outstanding sitcoms which don't get a lot of love but but yeah probably the wire the sopranos and then mm. the succession all hbo shows coincidentally <laughs> um nice. But yeah, and, and then just anime. So um, for our listeners, even though you won't know this until I technically am back, I'm going to Japan for um, nearly two weeks. So just to soak up some of the like the Japanese language and just like get hype with like all the otaku goodness. I've been watching Cowboy Bebop and Full Metal Alchemist and um, Death Note just to kind of get back to some of those that I haven't finished yet. And then like Cowboy Bebop again, it's kind of like my comfort show for, for anime. Cause 26 episodes, one and done really, really good. Hey, Chainsaw Man. Nice. This is Pochita from Chainsaw Man, which I would highly no. recommend if you haven't watched it. Really? Oh, I've heard oh. good things is on the list. Um, But that's it. Um, All right. So let's draw a quick side quest. I'm going to remember to transition to the uh, the proper screen this time. Um, I noticed when I was editing the last episode, I forgot to do it. Whoops. Womp womp. That... Let's go to the leaderboard where we've got. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it's this is a known only in myth. And I have a, yeah. I have a nomination for this. Um, it's not a particularly hard movie to find if you look hard enough, but I I think the relative obscurity of it, uh, paired with how awesome this movie is, like it deserves to be talked about. So my nomination for, for this category is uh hard ticket to Hawaii. You're like, what <laughs> what is that? So uh <laughs> hard ticket to Hawaii is um a action movie like trying to be a little bit of like a suspense thriller that is just a absolute disaster like think about like if somebody with like Tommy Wiseau's brain made like an action movie like where like it's just a fundamental misunderstanding of what makes a movie good and that's what kind of makes the movie awesome um and like mm-hmm. there you have it but it's about a drug ring in like Hawaii and like a couple <laughs> of like buddy cop dudes um, trying to bust it up. But like they do things like they, they like they throw in that there's like some snake infected with like some crazy serum. That's also like on the loose that like comes in and out of the plot, like out of nowhere. Like it's just, it's great. Um, and the reason like I know of this movie is because um 
way back like uh marianne showed me this clip of these people playing frisbee on the beach like with no context and there's like razor blades on like the frisbee and like he's like this is for the malachi cops and he throws it and it cuts the guy's fingers off and it it's embedded in his face um i see i, some I have seen that it. scene and i think it's because you sent it to us <laughs> it's nice. like i can't have like this is like a perfect like get with your friends and giggle your asses off like it's it's very sexist like it, like i mean there's just like gratuitous like breast shots and like very <laughs> underdeveloped like you know all the women are very un- underdeveloped in the in the movie uh and over oh so nothing no like ins- american psycho um <laughs> that's intentional satire I feel, like this, I feel like this is genuinely what like this uh producer and like writers thought like women were like which is like kind of the people that they're being made fun of in american psycho but i i highly recommend it i forget the name of the producer um writer director so i'm gonna look this up but he made a string of movies just like this and by all counts like they're all like equally terrible but funny um <laughs> let's see his name is and you said it was I... hard ticket to hawaii hard ticket to hawaii what makes the um, ticket hard i don't <laughs> i don't know i don't know um <laughs> So the the director, writer, and producer is um, oh, Andy yeah. Sedaris, who mm. I think he had like a sports broadcasting like career, and that's where he got his money. Um. <laughs> uh, anyway, like I I highly re- like 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 if we do meet in person for like a a screen quest like weekend, I feel like this might be a movie that we have to watch as a group because it's just, it's, it's fantastic in the worst kind of way. But I have been watching a preview for it while you've been talking about it. And it, yeah, <laughs> yep. It is all the things you just described. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So that's my pick. Um, like I said, you yeah, can find I it. have not seen it. Cannot comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's okay i've watched if, the trailer <laughs> if the gods are just that'll change for you guys but um yeah i think like it this is very much like the only reason people probably know about this is because of the cult status kind of thing like midnight movie like this is the kind of thing i would love to go see at sunray here in jacksonville but nice. yeah i saw a uh a clip of a snake popping out of a toilet <laughs> like when uh, i tell you that um, plot comes out of nowhere and then you're like maybe they just abandon it and then it comes back at like the weirdest like times <laughs> i don't i just don't understand but nice. it's great good choice <laughs> thank you <laughs> well may finch um we are watching your film selection uh for role of a lifetime american psycho I would like you to guide us through this conversation. Very excited to hear what you thought and uh, what you got cooked up for us today. I have so much to talk about. (laughs) Holy shit. So (laughs) American Psycho uh, came out in 2000. It was directed by uh, Mary Heron and adapted from the Brett Easton Ellis novel of the same name. It stars a relatively young Christian Bale, uh, who was reluctantly cast instead of Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, But I think we're all very glad it ended up being Christian Bale because he killed literally in the role. And uh, also stars Willem Dafoe, Jared Leto, Reese Witherspoon, and other fantastic stars. This was my first time watching this movie somehow. And I know it was definitely a rewatch for the two of you. So first, I'd like to hear what it was like returning to this movie and how long it had been since the last time you saw it. 
Yeah, uh, it's probably been a decade or more since I've seen it. Um, so I was actually like kind of, no, I won't say pleasantly surprised and really feel strongly one way or the other, but I was surprised at like how little like gratuitous violence there was from what I remembered. So I like gave that disclaimer and then I'm watching it. I'm like, you know, there's like some tough, tense stuff in this, but also like a lot of it happens off screen or from like kind of like a, a distance. And there was a lot of restraint that I didn't remember. So I, I appreciated it for that um because I, I in my mind and it's because i've read the book too which is like a completely different story um i remember this being a lot more gratuitous so i think that kind of added to the craftsmanship of it because it captures the essence of the book without being like or feeling like a snuff film or something that was like fetishizing the violence uh i since we're talking about the the performance i'll, I'll kind of like just quickly touch on that i think it's 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 just excellence um in in terms of acting i think patrick bateman is believable um in all sort of iterations in this movie and that's all, all up to christian bale um but yeah i love it it's a fun ride like it, it's so funny um marianne was quite relieved uh, uh how much she laughed in it and i felt the same way like where you're like i was like i do remember this being funny um i think that's what makes it really work and i think ultimately it's just it's a fun it's a fun film um and it, it, you wouldn't think that from the subject matter and everything but if you've ever been reluctant to watch it um i would say like you could have a moderately strong stomach and probably have a great time like uh, there's 80 slasher movies that i think that are gorier than this but um yeah it was fun i had a good time with it yeah it's been a long time since i watched this uh you know it's like my default answer but i feel like college college seems to have been when i watched all these films that we <laughs> go back and touch on I don't know if that dates me or if that's just like when I actually like explored more interesting film, but um, I think overall, yeah, I definitely agree. The, um, the, the violence wasn't as much as I remembered it either. Like I sort of, I think like we all sort of felt primed for it when we were talking about it before they going into it. It's, it's like, okay. And it's good. And probably for when it came out, it was a little bit more like shocking in some respects, but yeah. Um, overall compared to like, you know like saw we'll just use that as an example like there's way more over the top gratuitous violence these days so it's that we've been sort of accustomed to um so in some respects going back and watching it again it's it's nice because you could focus on the story instead that being said i remember feeling the same way watching it now which was that these characters are so just absolutely repulsive like <laughs> nobody's happy everybody's terrible to each other uh people are either snorting coke in the bathroom or you know just way over the top about uh, their appearance or their so their social status or they're just bored and horrible people so i think that for me i think if, if i go into it and i look at it from two i guess two uh factors it's like do i go in in it for entertainment and if so it's not really my choice but i would say to experience it for the sake of what it is trying to convey um which from a stylistic perspective is very good and christian bale hands down i mean he the, the guy deserves like a um an award from us for being like the one guy whose films we have watched the most of during this podcast right <laughs> like yeah <laughs> Can we, uh, what was it? Yeah, a he might award? take the cake. Can we, can we give him a Southie award? Uh, for pre prestige, like... Dark Knight, yeah. this, uh, Vice. Is there anything else? Vice. 
I feel oh, like there must gotta be. There's gotta be. There's gotta yeah. be. What else? I, I feel oh. like I was thinking about this the other day too. Yeah. Uh, what was what was the... equilibrium? Yes. <laughs> equilibrium. Oh, yeah. He takes the cake by a country. Mom. Yeah, he's got a <laughs> yeah, he's got a Sethy award just for being like the, <laughs> the lifetime achievement, Sethy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, he nails it. I f- I didn't remember, and my wife pointed this out watching it with me, I didn't remember how much it felt like he is channeling Jim Carrey <laughs> like when he's doing some of this over-the-top performance. And it's, I mean, it works. It works really well. Um, but that that just sort of stood out to me. Uh, we'll probably talk about this more since Christian Bale has some very interesting influences on who he looks to for inspiration for his characters. But I thought it was hilarious when he mentioned that Tom Cruise was like his go-to, like clips of him on Oprah were like mm-hmm. his go-to inspiration for how he modeled the look of Patrick Bateman in the eyes. And I just thought, wow, you know, <laughs> this guy, man, it's awesome. So yeah, it's, that's my two cents. It's very funny you bring up that Tom Cruise connection because that might have something to do with our final game today. Noise. That awesome. we'll get to that later. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is my first time watching it, and I was also like always wary of this film because one, I'd heard it was really gory and violent, and I am someone who's kind of like playing catch up on a lot of like horror movies and more gruesome movies. And so I was like, I don't know. It's like, I'm going to prepare myself for this. Am I in a good headspace for this? And also like hearing that it was like very deeply sexist and misogynist. I was kind of like, is this just going to be painful and triggering? And then watching it, I just just kind of was like waiting for something to happen. <laughs> and <laughs> it was all just like way, way, way more mild than I thought it would be. And I think a lot of that was like um, sort of the like directing style. And um, I know Mary Heron wasn't like the first director to have her hands on this. Uh, who was it before Mary? It was Cronenberg. Had yeah. his hands in there for a minute. Cronenberg for a while. There's somebody else too. I can't remember. Yeah. And not to say that like women can't be sexist, but I am kind of glad it was a woman who ended up directing because I think that helped with shifting the focus from it being like more of a snuff film, like it very well could have been to more of a kind of like character analysis, very like specifically honed in on Patrick Bateman, which I think is more interesting anyway. So I really liked it. I also thought it was hilarious. Uh, I will never be able to listen to Huey Lewis in the news the same way, but <laughs> it's a small price oh, to pay, God. I think, or, for this. Or, or like Phil Collins, man. Like, oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah, anytime a chapter starts with him describing like the discography, because there's a few more in the book, you're like, oh, fuck. oh. what's going to happen? <laughs> it's like, it's gonna, what bribes you? <laughs> like, yeah, oh. yeah um but yeah it was it, i i loved it honestly i think i'm probably gonna read the book now too i have a much higher tolerance for gore with books anyway so i'm not too worried about it um for some reason i guess my mind is less horrifying than the screen <laughs> and also yeah. you can close a book that's true you're, you're gonna Instantly. a couple of times there's there's those tell well there's a couple parts that make me gag i have a pretty strong uh, stomach like <laughs> yeah. i won't spoil them for you but they're, it's significantly rougher just you know be be prepared but it, it is fabulous like it's one of my favorite books like of that era and um if you like the satire angle of this like it's got that in spades like that tone is definitely kept so 
Oh, absolutely. I also love that this this whole movie is also like very anti-elitist and very anti-capitalist, and that doesn't get talked about enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're going to today, so yay. Uh, <laughs> uh, as a quick recap for anyone who has also avoided seeing this, but probably should, uh, American Psycho is the story of Patrick Bateman, who is a Wall Street kind of big shot he's he's a wealthy wall street man i don't know if we're ever clear exactly on what his job is right he's like <laughs> accounts and acquisitions or something like that which he uh you know tells someone he's into murders and executions and they must hear yeah. it <laughs> uh, <laughs> um anyway he's on wall street and uh is really into uh killing and dismembering women and it kind of starts out with like you know intimate partner violence and him attacking girlfriends and then escalates to the bloodbath that we get by the end of the movie and um it's very kind of uncanny the whole way because patrick bateman is very much characterized as like kind of uncannily almost human but not fully human and um you begin to wonder by the end of the film how much of what you've seen has actually happened if he's someone that just has a lot of homicidal ideas and is also psychotic but hasn't actually killed anyone or if he has killed 40 people as he claims on a desperate phone call to his lawyer um the end of the film uh shows that regardless of what he's actually done uh no one really cares no one wants to hold him accountable and they actually don't even uh, recognize him perfectly based off of his face and his name and so he seems uh, if anything defeated by the end of the film by the fact that no one is going to ever hold him accountable for any of this beautiful son nailed it cool <laughs> so, <Killed> it. Uh, <laughs> i think starting with uh just kind of chronologically some things that stood out to me and then if you guys have anything else you want to jump in with go ahead but uh let's start with that skincare routine because i was shocked as someone who has a fairly extensive skincare routine i've struggled with with acne for most of my life and have tried every serum and mask and powder and ice thing that you can think of um was horrified by this routine personally yeah <laughs> you do not wear like a, an exfoliating drying skin mask every day like no matter how much moisturizing stuff he puts on after that he is screwing up his face um but i digress <laughs> what did you guys make of patrick bateman's like commitment to personal care be that the skin care or how he goes into like his very meticulously crafted morning routine and diet. What did you guys think about that? I'll go to Will um, first because of his amazing cosplay he's wearing. <laughs> Please check out the YouTube version <laughs> if you're not watching it. Yeah, I wish I could do a thousand <laughs> crunches or whatever it is that he says that he can do in his morning routine. That was the first indication that he's full of shit. Is all this like <laughs> skincare regimen <laughs> and like I work out every morning and I'm like, there's no way after all the drinks and the partying that you did the night before that you just woke up and felt refreshed and did all this stuff like no no um i I think it's one of those things very much like if if you look at like the i guess the memes or whatever the like the the clips that you found on youtube that like stand out from this film it's like his skincare routine 
the like business cards that he shares, which I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Um, and then maybe one or two other uh, scenes from the film, but it's like, that's like what stands out. I feel like people talk about the most and yeah, it's so, it fits with the, the overall, like the feeling of how over the top everything is, but at the same point, it, it yeah i mean if we're if we're trying to look at it realistically i don't know like <laughs> i don't understand how he would have any time in the morning to do half the stuff he talks about that's just my from knowing myself and my own like <laughs> ability to wake up and and get anything accomplished before work but will's anyway. radical interpretation of the film is that everything happened except for the personal care that was the yeah no he murdered people <laughs> yeah it's fine but like there's no <laughs> fucking way that he got all that stuff done in the morning like <laughs> I, I completely believe that an ATM told him to feed it a kitten, but no, I don't. Uh, <laughs> that that whole facial wash and all that's no, no, no. <laughs> he certainly would be looking a lot rougher. You don't put that many actives on your face in one day. I'm sorry, you you just don't. Julian Oden. That's why nobody recognizes him. He's probably like in reality very hideous. It's just, yeah, <laughs> his good looks are just in the oh, head. Interesting. So he's not as like swole and like you know broad shoulders and the. I guess we'll talk about what everything else that we get to see of Christian Bale in this film here in a little bit. But, <laughs> but goddamn, dude! Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, would you would you make of his uh, personal care routine, Chris? Yeah, in a lot of ways, like uh, it's kind of a callback to uh, Travis Bickle and, and Taxi Driver, who mm-hmm. has like a turning point where he's like, you know, my body will be like lean and tight and like, you know, <laughs> like it mirrored that a little bit. But I think also like it kind of highlights the indulgence of the very wealthy of all of the things that are probably cost a ton of money that he does like just for appearance sake. Right. I think like really that whole tour through his apartment and, you know, just seeing, I don't know how indulgent he is, like kind of sets you up for where this person is, where they're coming from. And, and I think kind of as well said, like how full of shit they are like with a little bit um, <laughs> in terms of their lifestyle. Right. Uh, yeah. My other favorite shots kind of shows that is like, the credit cards like all like on the um you know the the i don't know what you call the thing where they put the bill but that little circular plate um but uh yeah i don't know like it, it's a really great character introduction um where he's saying one thing but it's telling you something completely different about him yeah for me it made me think of like jordan jordan peterson um because i'm i'm connecting this to kind of like your your modern like almost incel types. I know Patrick Bateman's not an incel, but the a lot of the misogyny kind of rhymes. Um mm. and I don't know, Jordan Peterson like has like genuinely good things to say about like personal care and health, but he mingles it with all this toxic masculinity and um like hateful ideology and it's just it's a weird package that i see more and more i think these days um the andrew tate's so, of the world yeah yeah mm. well i don't think andrew tate eats well or takes good care of his body i always see him with a cigar in his mouth yeah. <laughs> but uh <laughs> he works out he works out but yeah like he definitely uh doesn't seem like he's somebody who um is chemical free put it that way but anyway. yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> but it is interesting seeing like your modern kind of like uh, very patriarchal right wing icons also seem to care a lot about like eating organic and like the body being a temple and things like that. This is interesting seeing kind of a resurgence there. Um, but yeah, skincare, it's uh, it'll work wonders for you, apparently. <laughs> I think the next thing that kind of like seems uncanny is definitely like the business card scene, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And that's also where we first meet uh, Jared Leto's character, uh, Paul Allen, who becomes quite significant. So what did you guys make of Paul Allen and his business card? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a great scene, right? Uh, I've seen it parodied with Pokemon cards where they, they like superimpose <laughs> the Pokemon cards like over Oh, that's it. beautiful. <laughs> uh, I highly recommend watching that parody. Um, oh, but uh, again, like it keys you into like the superficial world that they all live in. Just the physical, visceral reaction that he has to what he perceives to be the superior business card. And uh, I'm not sure if that's quite the catalyst that leads him to want to kill Paul Allen, but I feel like that's like definitely a, a step on the way. Um, but yeah, I think like identity is such an important part of the movie too. So it's quite interesting that nobody seems to know who the fuck anybody is, despite the fact that like, again, like they've almost like fetishized like a, a business card, right? It's more about the appearance of the business card versus like what's on it, I guess. So uh it's a brilliant scene i mean it's memorable for for a lot of reasons what a Could thing to be well? covetous over like right like, what a like you want to be a kid in the playground like arguing about toys like that's that's what you care about like yeah i mean in, in retrospect it does it looks over the top and, and goofy but yeah it's so funny too like you know and then i found myself also comparing them <laughs> like do what i agree with this person thinking this is better? no 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 go back to the other one the other one, I like the typeface on that other one, and like, oh, this is bone, and you know, like, <laughs> uh, but I, I, you know, kidding aside, I, um, it is. I think it adds to. I think it shows just how immature and um, how everybody does. I mean, they just care about appearances. It's all about how how good it looks, and because nobody. I mean, from what we see of. Patrick Bateman, he doesn't do anything with his day, right? Like, he doesn't really seem to do much of any work. So it's just, how much does he keep up the appearance, the facade, and sort of emblematic of what all of his quote-unquote friends probably do as well? And so they're just all trying to one-up each other with these little pieces of paper to show their self-worth and who's paying for what when they go out to get a, rest, uh, a reservation at whatever the ritziest restaurant is. And so... Yeah, I mean it fits. It's unfortunate, but God, it's so it's goofy and and perfect at the same time. I just love that there's almost no visible difference between the cards, especially like on camera. Like they look yeah. almost identical, and yeah. I think that plays into larger aesthetics of the film too, where everything looks the same, everyone looks the same, and everything is extremely sparse and colorless. Which are kind yeah. of trademarks of high class, right? Like you think of the wealthiest people that you've seen, I don't know, those like architectural digest home tours of. And it's like large, huge, white, empty spaces in, in, in personal homes. It feels just very alienating and strange. And I think that like this film just nails that whole aesthetic and how odd it is. And 
how isolating it is too. Because I think a lot of what one enables uh, Patrick Bateman, but also probably what contributes to his kind of alienation from society is feeling very isolated and alone in this world. And there being no genuine connections, everything's like super superficial. I just love that the the style and everything else about the movie kind of like builds into that theme. Speaking of Paul Allen, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he is the first on screen victim we have, right? Actually, no, second, because uh, Patrick Bateman unfortunately assaults that uh, unhoused man in the alley. Um, and his dog too. Yeah, and his dog. Um, Bastard. <laughs> Right. I'll, I'll never yeah. forget the f- first time I saw this in college. Not to derail us too much. Um, <laughs> we were watching this, and uh, somebody who had seen it before <laughs> was like, "Hey, that guy you've been dating reminds me a little bit like of like Patrick Bateman." And I think more about <laughs> like the f- the friendliness and like a little over the topness to this girl. She hadn't seen the movie, and then that's like the first kind of violent thing that happens. And she's like, "You." my boyfriend's a dog stomper and she got really upset and we had to pause the movie for five minutes he's like no no that's not what i meant but anyway uh it looks right free in my head at least once a month you think my boyfriend's a dog stomper (laughs) amazing anyway and terrible i mean that that would piss me off too (laughs) (laughs) look we're 18 years old and we know you know (laughs) Now I want to know who it was who said that because I feel like maybe there's there's like a small chance. It's a tiny chance I would have run into them, but that's I, amazing. We can say it off the podcast. I'm not saying it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, plot twist. This is Will's girlfriend and Chris was saying it about Will. Whoa! <laughs> I guess I fit in really well with this image right now on the YouTube channel, but yeah. <laughs> Surprise! Yeah. Um, back to Patrick Bateman and uh, <laughs> Paul Allen. Um, so yeah, uh, that iconic scene uh, where Huey Lewis in the news is playing and just unprompted, Patrick just starts talking about the bands and the, the history of their discography while, you know, putting his little raincoat on, getting his little axe out, Uh then starts uh, chopping away. I will say, as someone who dislikes Jared Leto, this was a rather satisfying scene to watch. Uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, it's 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 just iconic. Uh, how do you guys feel about um, the scene and the death of of Paul Allen? I think Paul should have realized when there was newspaper on the ground that shit was about to go down, but. Paul is definitely way too drunk or stoned or whatever. I mean, so if we're taking it from the perspective of we actually think that Paul Allen was murdered, then Paul Allen was really trashed. But <laughs> I don't know. It is kind of goofy. I I, I guess from the perspective of the Jared, I mean, I, I laugh about Jared Leto because I think that is funny. But at the same time, it's like we don't really know much of anything about Paul Allen besides the fact that he's just sort of like... I don't know, he's competition. And so it's just that one thing that, you know, one ups that Patrick feels like one ups him that he has to take out the competition in order to feel vindicated or to feel like he's the superior. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I, I, it, it sort of goes back to me thinking like he, he acts like Jim Carrey was just like this sort of like his whole body is just so, spastic when he's talking about like the band and how energetic and 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 weird it all is and 
yeah i think that that in and of itself it's just it's dark comedy and that to me i found very humorous with all of that that whole setup it's a great I, contrast to the scene that we've you know referenced already with uh mm-hmm. his actual first victim and the dog which is not played for laughs it's played very straight and it's disturbing and it's like i, I remember both in the book and in the film being like ah oh, man it's it's such a bummer and i think this is it's a great sort of uh almost like throwing a banana peel in front of the audience when it comes to this because it's totally so different and it it's more in line with like what the rest of the film is and i think you know it's uh it's sort of the rabbit hole that takes you down like the you know where like the rest of the film kind of goes in terms of like allowing you to laugh a little bit um like it establishes that he's a disturbed person and then like you get to this and then it's like he's clearly disturbed but also like it's okay it's okay to laugh like there's going to be some funny um macabre things in this this film and i think the fact that you frame it with huey lewis in the news him moonwalking um you know <laughs> like just there's everything about the the sequence is just like it's great. I mean, it's, it's it's beautifully constructed and it's just um, it's a lot of little touches that add up to a pretty masterful scene. Again, going to call out like the lack of overt gore or violence um, could have easily had a, you know, gratuitous shot of the axe, like actually going into like Jared Leto's face or something like that. And it instead it happens all off camera and you get like the splatters and, and things like that. And I think that helps keep the tone hmm. like enough. You know, you're you see enough to know, but like it, it, you know, it's it's not um it's not too heavy handed, but I love I think it's an all timer the scene. Yeah, why? So he he goes and he launches into these like very dry explanations of music history a few times, always when he's about to kill someone. <laughs> hmm. Uh, why why do you think he does that? I think he likes to pontificate. I don't know, like he's a pontificator, <laughs> like. Um, I don't know if it's about showing intellectual superiority. Like, I mean, he's got like two beautiful women that are like, you know, having sex with each other, and he's going on about Whitney Houston. Like, <laughs> like you have better things to talk about or do, man. All right. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, I, I, it could just be part of his whole psychosis too. Like, maybe that's part of the ritual for him. Oftentimes, serial killers have a ritual, and maybe this is just part of the ritual for him. Is talking about music certainly seems to be that case in the book because again as you any chapter where he starts talking about music you're like oh here we go i don't know who or what right now but um i personally read it as part of the satire because like i i don't know if this is like a, a a gender dating experience or just a general dating experience but i feel like a lot of guys will just kind of like do this if they don't have anything like they don't know what to say they're just like yeah i'm just gonna rant about this thing <laughs> and like show you i know a lot of stuff <laughs> it's like i don't know to me it's like a sign of like him just like having no idea how to actually socialize with people and being like hey i'm just gonna rant about this thing and act like i care when it's clearly like just what he read off the back cover of the, of the cd <laughs> yeah. i wouldn't be surprising i mean that's that actually makes a lot of sense i love that all his like you know with all the snobbery like pop is like the 
genre like you know what i mean like <laughs> right? if patrick bateman was in the 90s it would have been like some twee indie bands or some shit like but like it's pop it's nice. all pop artists which is great yeah it's very interesting to me um but yeah you uh you mentioned all the beautiful women having sex with patrick bateman uh he has in addition to the um ladies of the night that he employs uh, he also has a girlfriend and a mistress who are uh, largely insulated from his bloodlust. Um, and uh, Evelyn Williams, his fiance, played by Reese Witherspoon, uh, is actually hardly in the film at all. He pays her very little attention. Um, and she seems like someone aware of the cheating, but that's about it. And yeah, I'm just wondering what you guys think of that dynamic and also Evelyn Williams as a character. She's hilarious. And that dynamic is hilarious. Right? <laughs> uh, sorry, go ahead, Chris. I think you're about to say something. No, no, no. Go ahead, buddy. I was just going to say, I think it was, I think their relationship was by far what made me laugh the most because she didn't take him seriously at all in half the stuff. Whenever he's complaining about things, it's just like, ah, oh, you know, what, Patrick, whatever, you know, you're fine, you know. And even when he was trying to break up with her at the end and she doesn't believe him, she's like, no, but your friends are our friends. And no, they just wouldn't work. And don't be silly. You know, <laughs> I thought about it. And... You can have them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then that's when she was like, you're serious. And yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I do think it's interesting that she is, uh, you know, she's not part of his weird sort of whether or not he really and that's the discussion we could have at the end i guess is as to whether we think he did anything at all or just imagine it at all um but that yeah it is it's it's one of the funniest parts of the film for me is watching their back and forth their banter about it how, how about you chris what were you gonna say <laughs> no i i agree like it's just again it's a further extension of like what their their lifestyle and the fact that he knows that she's having an affair or suspects and I don't care if she knows like it kind of just shows like the the superficialness right that nobody in that society seems to be marrying for love it's all about like where did you go to college what's your title um just another business card right at the end of the day it seems like um no genuine affection at all I don't even know if you're if you see them touching like at any point or kissing or anything like mm -hmm um yeah it's an interesting sort of indictment um of i guess the world they live in right um that well i guess he, there is like one brief sex scene with him and his mistress whose name is escaping me courtney um courtney but she's like so zonked out you know and and sort of like lifeless um when they go to dinner and things like that um Nobody seems to be particularly happy. I'll say that. That's the last thing I'll uh, like in in this um, world that they live in. No, and it's, I think he's telling that both his mistress and his mistress's fiance like are interested in him. Louis <laughs> Carruthers also is like, "Oh, I've been waiting for you to make a move." Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was great. That was great. What a way! What a way to like you know diffuse that situation. Like, oh yeah, yeah, go ahead and choke me. <laughs> like, okay, never mind. <laughs> Actually, on second thought, yeah. I love how being gay also probably saved his life. <laughs> right? When has that ever happened in movies from that period? Right? Right? Like, oh my god! 
dodge that bullet, man. Good for you. Or axe, you know, like good for you. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. So um good good for Lewis Carruthers. But yeah, it's just telling that like <laughs> this this like no, no one who is currently engaged actually likes each other. And I, I do feel like part of why Courtney's his mistress is she's constantly zonked out. She seems like she is also mentally overwhelmed by this position in life she doesn't want to be in it but has no escape from. But her like way of dealing with it is drugs whereas uh you know Bateman's like drugs and killing <laughs> gotta find balance in your life <laughs> little drugs little murder you know skincare regimen in the morning you know it all it's all in balance i'm forgetting the order now but there there are a couple of scenes with the prostitutes that he hires before things escalate to where you know they're in paul allen's apartment and um the the friend that he brings in who i wasn't quite sure what her story was supposed to be but he like brings a friend over as well as christy one of the prostitutes and as they're getting down to business uh things veer into cannibalism and uh the the true horror of paul allen's apartment is revealed with them all running around and uh discovering all these bodies um like that feels like it should be the ending of the movie to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're reading this, it's just like a straight horror movie. So I, I this being my first watcher, I remember getting to that scene and being like, wait, there's half an hour left to go? What What's going to happen? <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, I mentioned off pod that there was a scene that stuck with me and it was uh, when Patrick Bateman gave new meaning to the term eating out and oh uh that i will say was the most horrifying part of the movie for me but uh if you guys want to talk about that scene in particular or just like whatever stuck out to you is kind of like the most jarring point of the movie that's what i would like to hear do you have like the is the ending sort of like are you saving that because i don't want to like talk about that too but if that's the most jarring point for you then like please share um, I mean, the most jarring point to me, because I feel like it veers too much into like the territory of like, I feel like the movie nudges you a little bit too hard and the like, maybe this isn't happening direction is like his like shooting rampage, like all that stuff. I feel like it's just a bit too heavy handed, not like crazy heavy handed, but it, um, you know, shooting the cop car and it blowing up and all that other <laughs> shit. Like it, it just, it feels a little out of place for me. And like, one of the things I loved so much about the novel is that it was very subtle in terms of like the unreliable narrator, like angle of it all. There is the scene where like, he goes back to Paul Allen's apartment and everything's nice and neat. And she's like, you got to go. And you're like, Oh, did like they clean all this up? Like, and she knows, but she wants to sell the apartment and not have that listed under the, uh, what do you what's the the term for where you have to like disclose um like the full disclosure of like what's what's happened so um because it seems like that would very much be in the theme of the book but but yeah his rampage like um was just a bridge too far for me personally and like something that i felt like was uh was a little too jarring like tonally just wasn't like it was like it veered a little too far into crazy town for me yeah, and also like the look of surprise on his face after the cop car blows up, yeah. like even he is surprised that happened. <laughs> That's telling. I'm an action star now. Yes. 
<laughs> Tom Cruise, get in here. <laughs> That's right. Hell yeah. What about you, Will? What was the like most shocking or jarring part of the film for you? You know, I'm going to go the reverse. I think, truthfully, the most disturbing part of this film was where he murdered the unhoused person and stomped his dog. I think that everything else, kind of like what Chris was talking about, the absurdity of it, I go with it because I feel like it is absurd and I read it like he really didn't do it. I think that he imagined everything else. But that one scene, I feel like he could have done it because it felt that real, like it felt that dark and vengeful and i feel like maybe patrick did do that and then he just imagined carrying out all these other things you know with everybody else throughout the rest of the film um and so for me that's the darkest part of the movie everything else just seems so over the top and unrealistic that i'm like i'm just gonna ride with it because i don't believe it happened but for that one scene where he he kills that man that that resonates with me and that um, I think that that is probably the most jarring for me of that film. Yeah. I It does seem also like the most realistic murder, right? Because yeah. e- even though it's so sudden, like at first it's kind of like, oh, is he actually going to help this person? Like if, if you didn't know what American Psycho was about, you might believe that, oh, maybe he's going to be charitable in this moment. And then, <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, no, that's, that's a great answer. Uh, I do want to ask because the um i think after that kind of like final big massacre he breaks up with evelyn williams and then has the moment with the cat and the atm which is kind of the first glimpse that we get where like this is something that definitely couldn't happen it's like your atm would not say feed me a kitten or feed me a cat or whatever it said are you sure you should bake somewhere else if it does nice um so yeah, you just have to kind of decide like between uh, him murdering the in-house guy and uh, the ATM asking for a cat sacrifice, how much of that do you believe actually happened? So that is my query to you guys. Um, obviously, it doesn't matter in the world of the film, really, because aside from his poor, poor personal assistant, Gene, mm-hmm. um, no one believes or knows that any of this is happening, right? And no one really cares. Uh, but I care and I think you guys care. So, uh, what do you think was real? What do you think was psychosis and why? Can I be contrary and say, like, I don't think it fully matters. I think the thoughts and sort of the feelings that he has is more or less the point. Um, I don't have a definitive answer. I, I'm not really sure. I think what Will said is probably insightful because it's totally different. You could make the argument that maybe the first murder is the only one that definitively did take place. Um, And all the sort of drawings and everything I've always interpreted as like, sort of like fantasy, you know, but it could also be him recording like those events. But I think at the end of the day, it's like, this is who this person is inside whether or not he actually goes through with these like murders, like this is what he gets off on. And it's a direct result of probably his environment and, and like who he is as a person, um, you know, his emotional state. And uh, I think regardless, like, like you gotta be repulsed by him, you know, whether he did it or didn't do it, like you should be repulsed by him by the end of it. And that should bring you no relief if it's like, well, this is all just things that like he fantasized about. Like that doesn't make me feel better about this guy at all. Like, um, 
you know, it's, it's only a relief uh, on the sake of the victims. But I mean, as far as like how I view Patrick Bateman, uh, it does nothing to make me like him more if he didn't do that. Yeah, and I think that's the point. I don't think what happened, what he thinks happened, actually happened. I don't think he murdered anybody, but I, uh, there's still just enough of that hesitancy about the the guy in the alley and his dog. Um, yeah, I could believe that. I could believe that he did that and got away with it, and then everything else was just his imagination. So that's that's where I stand on that. I feel similarly about this film, actually, to Sorry to Bother You, if you guys have seen that. Hmm. Uh, that's, okay, that's, so... I see that. That's the t- uh, telecommunication, like, thing, right? Oh, like, call center. So, call center, uh, yeah, there's, yeah. yeah, there's this young guy that's working at a call center, and um, it is, I think, way more explicitly anti-capitalist, and also shows more of the people that are poor and downtrodden in their point of view as opposed to the uh, elite upper class like this film does but it's similarly like it's it's like all it's kind of satirical and kind of over the top until the third act where it just completely jumps the shark and c- turns into full san- like fantasy and sci-fi well wow. mm. so, with without spoiling any more than that i will say like i think because this film as a whole is a satire like within the world of this film I kind of believe all of this did happen, especially since we don't mm. actually see Paul Allen ever yeah. again. You're only told that other people have seen him. Mm-hmm. Um, They're not very reliable either, right? <laughs> like, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even as like, lawyer, they recognize yeah. <laughs> So, like, I, I think in the world of the film, which I think the world of the film could all be in this character's head, in a way, mm. um, like... This world has no grounding in reality. There are no real consequences. The only person the detective cares about, even though all these people have been killed, is Paul Allen, because he's the only person that has any kind of social or actual financial capitalism capital to his name. Um, None of the other women that he's murdered matter, or or the man in the alley. He doesn't matter in in the world of this film. So... As long as people think they've seen Paul Allen, everything is great. <laughs> and I don't know. I think it's a darker critique if you read it as as insane as Patrick is. He is no more insane than anyone else or anything else in this world. It kind of, at the end of the day, doesn't matter. The cat in the ATM is just so random. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recall if that's... Uh that that part is in the the book or not it feels like it probably is but um i do love some of the like the really like absurd imagery that you get um towards the end of both the book and the movie and his his speech by the way speaking of the ending is like one of my favorite like little monologues thinking about the themes of the film uh most significantly like misogyny and also into capitalism bateman not having any accountability at the end and also being unrecognizable at the end and his lawyer even insulting him to his face because he doesn't realize it's Bateman <laughs> uh, makes this a film that I want to like clockwork orange force every incel to watch because it's like hey if even if you carry out all of your fantasies like it doesn't matter no one will respect you like that's not how you earn recognition 
So I, I appreciate that he's still confused and still derided uh, at the end of the film. <laughs> Despite the most extreme efforts. Yeah. Yeah. That's about all I had prepared. Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to talk about? I have a random question. Yeah. Why is there a telescope in Bateman's apartment? I think just because it's an expensive ornament. I I think it's like, well, a lot of things that it's probably just window dressing, right? I don't think that you're meant to think that he's ever looked through that telescope before. Just like, is he like a peeping Tom? Is he checking other people? Like, like, what is that even for? Like, why is that there? I don't know. Because it feels like it, it stand. It stood out to me so much as like something that you see when you see his very sparse apartment that I thought, is there, maybe it's in the book. I, I mean, I don't know, but yeah. My, my gut tells me he's a peeping Tom, but the English major in me tells me it's a symbol for his desire to break out of this life as violently as possible. It's looking out to the stars. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. A violent look <laughs> No, I think he's beyond. probably just a peeping yeah. Tom. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that's that's hopefully a low powered telescope if you're going to be doing some some, you know, Tom peeping. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to look like the craters of the moon. You know, <laughs> where you oh, my. <laughs> nice. Maybe he's into that. He's into some weird shit, Chris. So he's like, oh, he good skin care. Look at those pores. Too. Look at those pores. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I don't have anything to add. Like, I just, uh, I think this is a great nomination for the the topic because yeah. he's been in a lot of films, many of which we've apparently watched on the podcast. But Hell I yeah. think this this is uh, this is peak Christian Bale, and yeah. I think not very many actors could have pulled off this particular role in the way that he did. So, as much as I laugh about his inspirational choices, like hands down, I think Christian Bale, like, and I know that there's, you know, there's talk about how difficult he can be sometimes on set with other actors too. Um, but from a performance perspective, like, I think he understands the assignment. And I think that every time I have watched him in a film, I feel like he is that character. And it doesn't matter how much of a B movie it is, like if it's Equilibrium, I don't care. He believes he is that character and I believe that he is that character. And that's that's all that matters. And so I think he nails it. I think he he's got the magic and he is uh, he is very good at what he does. And this is an, an excellent example of that. His facial expressions alone, like if just, just looking at the background behind Will, I'm reminded of how well he does this look of just hysterical insanity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Will. <laughs> you can be a stunt double. I know, yeah. <laughs> you have a dog. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's it's great. It's great. Um speaking of his inspiration, I have a little game for you guys if you'd like to play. Let's do it. Yes, I'm in so the words of, of Saw. <laughs> <laughs> I am ready to play a game. So. <laughs> so I was trying to think of good trivia because I know Chris has read the book. I haven't. I don't know if you've read the book well. Um, it's if yeah, I told Chris off pod, if I have, I either put it down halfway through or I just forget it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so Chris might have a slight advantage on this, but I was thinking, okay, what if I do a, did Patrick Bateman say this kind of trivia? Oh, and okay. um, for, <laughs> anything of that I've asked you that uh, is not said by Patrick Bateman is said by Tom Cruise. So <laughs> oh, <laughs> this is tell awesome. me, that. Tell yes. me Bateman or Cruise. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yes. Caveat is the source i had for this for cruise was brady quotes so i don't know if this is like lines from movies he was in or from interviews he's been in mm, so okay do not think less of tom cruise as a person for what quotes are attributed to him because i'm not sure if they're quotes from like movies he's been in or from actual interviews you're Just absolved that. caveat okay <laughs> <clears throat> quote number one quotation number one for all you pedants out there. Talk is overrated as a means of settling disputes. I'm going to say cruise. Well, yeah, I kind of want to be into I want to be different and go with Bateman. You feeling Bateman on that one? I'm feeling some Bateman. All right. So that one is Tom Cruise. Oh, nice. When was that? I have no idea. This is from Brady. <laughs> <Brandy> <laughs> Doesn't matter. It happened at some point. We don't know when, but yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Number two. <clears throat> All it comes down to is this. I feel like shit, but look great. God, it's got to be big, then, right? But maybe that's a misdirection. Ah. Uh... I'm still going to say Bateman. Yeah. I'm still going to say Bateman. What'd you say, Will? I'm still going to go with Bateman as well. Yeah. You are both correct. That is a Patrick Bateman quote. (laughs) 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 All right. Chris is slightly in in the lead with two points. Will has one. All right. Number three. Is evil something you are or is it something you do? Gonna go Bateman. Okay. <laughs> that was a Bateman chuckle right there. <laughs> I know, yeah. Uh, I don't want to be. I don't. I don't want to be like I'm riding on Chris's coattails on this one. But uh, oh, okay. yeah, you know what? Yeah, I go with Bateman too. You are correct on that as well. Sweet. I was thinking the fact that uh, Cruz is part of the Church of Scientology might throw you guys off on that one. (laughs) (laughs) He would never acknowledge that that's even in question. Come on, let's be honest. Fair. Um, Where there was nature and earth, life and water, I saw a desert landscape that was unending, resembling some sort of crater. So devoid of reason and light and spirit that the uh, that the mind could not grasp it on any sort of conscious level, and if you came close, the mind would reel backward, unable to take it in. I really hope it's Tom Cruise. Yeah, I don't even care. I'm just gonna say Tom Cruise. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You're both wrong, and this is Bateman, and I think this is why he has the telescope because clearly he likes looking at craters. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> awesome. We got an answer. There we go. Damn it. I'm just surprised that wasn't Tom Cruise though. Right? I know. I was like, damn, please, please like, let this Like be maybe Tom that Cruise. would be some eyes wide shut shit or I don't know. 
probably. Or just like him describing like what it was like to jump off of a motorcycle in a Mission Impossible movie or something. Yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. All right. <clears throat> uh, you two are very close. Chris has three points. Will has two. This is the final question. I will come up with a tiebreaker if you guys uh, are tied by the end. All right. I am an all or nothing kind of person. And when I become interested in something, I give it my all. Again, I have to say Tom Cruise. I don't, and I get, I don't care if I'm wrong. I just have to say Tom Cruise. It's, okay. I, I feel like Tom Cruise as well. All right. You are both correct on that one. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> well done. You, uh, I, I don't think you really fell for any of them. So. Great job. Except for, except for the one we desperately wanted to be, Tom Cruise. Yeah, like, come on, Tom. <laughs> yes. But yeah, this is why I was late, is looking for better quotes. I was trying to find a transcript of that, like, Oprah interview he did, because he said some weird stuff there, but I, I couldn't mm. find one. So that's why I went to Brainy Quotes. Anyway, great job. Uh, Chris is the winner, just barely. Great job. Yep. Good game, good game. Well played, yeah. Mr. Rotondi. Thank you likewise well uh let's draw a card and skedaddle shall we yes yeah what what we got, what we got? after i turn some videotapes <laughs> ah this is a stranger than fiction which Ooh. to remind our viewers is our documentary category um, so this is where we'll nominate a documentary film watch it and talk about it hold please why I look to see which this is alright so this is a Chris pick and it is Won't You Be My Neighbor which is Aww. a documentary film yeah. about the life of Mr. Rogers this is just the best I hope you guys enjoy this this is going to be a nice little shot in the arm after uh, right? American Psycho, it is so wholesome <laughs> and wonderful. Um, I saw this in theaters, and uh, mm-hmm. I can tell you what, like, it was just it was the the warmest environment. Like when we got done, everybody was just like had melted into their chairs from wholesomeness. So, mm-hmm. have either of you seen this? Yes. No. Aww. I saw it in theaters as well on a date with my boyfriend, and uh, it's a great date night movie if you want to be all snappy. Mm-hmm. would agree well that's it for this week's show um, we're following Patrick Bateman with Mr. Rogers in typical Screen Quest fashion um, you can support the show of course by liking subscribing and sharing our channel both on YouTube or via podcast services all over the interweb we appreciate the support uh, you can find us on Twitter at ScreenQuestPod and uh, of course we're still looking for more film suggestions and submissions that link will be on the episode description both in youtube and your favorite podcast service so please uh, keep those coming we appreciate it until next time we love you bye 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 guys